On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla holds what is perhaps their most important earnings call ever. I've got clips of all the best quotes from Elon Musk and the Tesla executive team, plus lots of analysis, as well as news of an interior refresh for Model S and X, and much more. Welcome, friends. It's episode 157 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for August 5th, 2018. Although I have to tell you, uh, I am recording on August 2nd, and the reason for that is I am going to be out of town uh, doing a little little baseball trip with my uncles to Wrigley Field. I've got a few uncles in the family who are huge baseball fans like I am, and we've been talking for years about, oh, wouldn't it be cool to like go to a different ballpark every year? And so this is the year we'd finally planned it, and we're, we're finally doing it. So we're going to be visiting Wrigley Field in Chicago. What better place to start? I mean, you got to st- either Wrigley or Fenway, right? you got to start with one of those. So I'll be there and wanted to make sure I got the show done and out to you on time, of course. So recording a little bit early. My apologies, as always, when I, when I do need to do this, if I happen to miss anything on Friday, but something tells me the, the news for this week is all set. It was a huge news week. I have a big show for you. And it's not just the earnings call, although that's certainly the highlight. Uh, before I get started, a couple of things. I wanted to note the bonus episode that I did that covered my full delivery day experience and my initial impressions of my Model 3. I want to thank everybody for the uh, extreme kind words of love, support, congratulations. Uh, it really means a lot to me, your, your, your emails, tweets, calls. I mean, it's, I'm not going to play those calls uh, because that, that's a little, <laughs> be a little self-serving, but uh, those of you that did call in with, with that uh, know that I listened to them all and I, I thank you sincerely. I mean, it was, a, it was a heck of a couple of days and I do miss the car very much already, but I'm glad it's getting its paint protected and, you know, hey, at least I dropped it off before I had the chance to really get used to the car, because then it would have really hurt to part with it, and it would have really hurt to have to get back into my, my wife's Mini Cooper. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful that we have another car, believe me, to, uh, to drive while the, the Tesla is getting, getting the paint protection. But uh, So I'll be onto the earnings call in a bit, but first there is some news and note, uh, just another quick show note, as usual with earnings call episodes, these are such big episodes, I'm not going to do the Ride the Lightning hotline this week, but I am logging all of your calls, I've been listening to them, I've been taking notes for you guys, uh, and I will save them for next week. So your calls did not go into a void from which they shall never return, <laughs> they will get used next week. Please, so please keep them coming, you know, there's two ways you can call into the podcast, I'm sure you're going to have reactions to the earnings call, to uh, the the first big story that I'm going to do for you in a second about the interior refresh. So you can call in either by recording something on your smartphone. Please try to keep it to about a minute, minute and a half. That would be super helpful. And you can just email that file to me after you record it. Uh, The email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number, very easy. Just call in, leave the message, and you are done. That number is 1-888-989-8752. 
Uh, and one final note before I get rolling is that the uh, if you did listen to the bonus episode, you know I played the audio clip for you of the little video, the goofy little video of a zero to 60 launch that I that I did in the car, right? <laughs> it was the second launch I ever did and it was it was the right after supercharging. So the car, the battery got up to about 80% or as it was delivered with 50% uh, of a charge. So I've uploaded that video to YouTube. So if I uh, you go find find me on YouTube, the Ride the Lightning channel, not not a uh, not my Ryan McCaffrey, that's an IGN one. But uh, if you look up, I guess if you just search for Ride the Lightning Tesla podcast, you should find the channel very easily. So if you want to see that video, it's there for you. All right, let's move on because there is so much to get to. First up this week, a huge tip of the cap to Electrek with uh, probably their biggest, uh, they, get, they, get, they get a lot of scoops, but this is probably the biggest one, uh, in my opinion, in quite some time. An interior refresh planned for the Model S and the Model X, but not anytime soon. So listen to this, uh, Electrek saying, Tesla is not actually, uh, pardon me, is actually not planning to start production on the new design until another full year, Q3 2019, according to sources familiar with the matter. According to documents reviewed by Electrek, Tesla plans for the interior design refresh to extend the life cycle of the current Model S and Model X programs until 2021. So that appears to be the target date for a full redesign. Tesla wants Model S and Model X to remain its flagship vehicles during that time. In order to achieve that, the automaker's strategy is to, quote, harmonize the interior with a similar look as the new interior introduced with the Model 3, but with some more premium materials and features. The company expects that this harmonization will result in cost reduction and increase its gross margin on the Model S and Model X, end quote. Well, uh, this was inevitable, certainly. Uh, we, we've been talking about it for a while. I, you recall I did a prediction show that uh, suggested I, I had thought it would happen. It would be introduced at some point later this year. Turns out I was a year off <laughs> on that. But it just makes a ton of sense to unify the UI design language. You know, it's going to make it a lot easier once this this goes into effect for Tesla to streamline their software updates when all three cars are on that same core landscape-oriented design for their interface. And and, and what I guess I can tell you now, uh, and to be very clear, I'm not trying to say I knew this first or anything like that, but I'm not, I'm, I'm, uh, I only want to augment Electrek's report here. If you remember back to late March, you may recall that I told you I'd heard about a big thing, that I'd heard about a something, a big rumor. But I chose, I didn't say what it was, uh, mostly to protect my source at that point. And I, I just, I didn't, and it turns out I would have ended up looking a bit silly had I gone ahead and, and passed that along to you because it didn't come to pass. The, the time frame I was given came and went and nothing happened. And then another week went by and another week went by and it didn't happen. Well... Uh, I can tell you now that it was this. I I had heard about this as well from a Tesla source. Um, and so per my source, this was seemingly supposed to happen a lot sooner. My guess on that, and, and I am, to cl- be clear, I am now just speculating. My guess is that because this was supposed to happen in late March but didn't, that's right about the time when Elon and Tesla went went into 
I think it's maybe fair to say, kind of a little bit of a panic about Model 3 production, and they shifted every single resource they had in the company to focus on that. So I suspect that this interior redesign project for SNX got shelved in favor of putting all hands on deck for Model 3, and now that Tesla is finally making their way through that out of production hell, they've gone back to work on this. But given the timing that Electrek is quoting here from their sources, Q3 2019, another year away, my suspicion is that Tesla probably scrapped whatever they had four months ago that I had heard about, and they've probably gone back to the drawing board and are maybe more or less starting over, or at least investing a lot more time and energy into that interior redesign project. But regardless, this is going to be super cool. Uh, tip of the cap, kudos to Electric on this report. And, you know, as to what this could entail, you know, higher end luxury features, but with a, you know, the Model 3 orientation, I, I had predicted and I, and from the renders, it appears that my prediction was correct, at least in that it'll be a 17 inch landscape oriented screen, uh, which, you know, the Model 3 has the 15, but I wonder if, <laughs> I almost hate to, hate to bring this back up again, but I wonder if we maybe could possibly see a heads-up display on this, but uh, I suspect stuff like massaging seats could be an option, like just a higher-end luxury feature, maybe an insanely advanced sound system, maybe even something like, um, if, if you've seen the, the pictures of the back seat of the Lucid Air prototype, which was, you know, a very impressive luxury EV that that has sadly you know yet to be produced, but they had back seats, these premium like bucket back seats, just two of them rather than three, that almost fully reclined. So I wonder if we could see something like that, perhaps. But just think more. You know, the three is Spartan by design, by intention. It's still very the materials feel very premium. It's a very nice interior. But you just got to think to yourself, okay, well, how could you class that up? How could you augment that uh, for a for a version of that interior in the S and X? But that is going to be interesting to watch. So there you go. Uh, big The big scoop coming via Electrek this week. Fun stuff with the interior redesign on S and X. Speaking of fun stuff, Jay, who is a listener of this podcast, got a very interesting reply from Elon Musk on Twitter this week about, of all things, a kit-like, you know, Knight Rider, kit-like talking computer for Teslas. Jay asked Elon, will we get a kit-like AI in Tesla cars anytime soon? I'd love a little computer dude that I could talk to in my Performance Model 3. Elon replied to this and said simply, yes. So no details here, obviously, so I'm not sure exactly what Elon is thinking. But I tell you, I sure like what Jay is thinking. Jay, I'm with you on this, my friend. I grew up, uh, you know, I'm a kid, I'm an 80s kid. I love Knight Rider. I'd love to be able to talk to my car and have it talk back a little bit. That'd be awesome. You know, we've, we've heard Elon talk about how the future of Tesla vehicles includes a lot of voice commands, that they're building everything out towards that that sort of helps complement the interior design that has almost no buttons or knobs. So, you know, eventually, seemingly almost everything will be able to be done via voice commands, whether it's the windshield wipers, mirror adjustments, etc. So 
this sounds like what it could be the next level of that. Maybe a Siri-like AI that could that could chat back with you a little bit. And I'll I'll say this, and I'm I'm being serious. If Elon can spin this up soon, I just want to point out that William Daniels, the voice of Kit in Knight Rider, is still very much alive, 92 years old. I looked this up. So, uh, Elon, let's get William Daniels to voice this, just because why wouldn't we do that? <laughs> why wouldn't we do that? That'd be great. So, uh, awesome stuff there. But, Elon, uh, having some fun on Twitter this week because... Well, he was replying to some really just interesting stuff, just fun ideas. Fun seemed to be the theme of this week, which is great. Uh, another fun note from Elon on Twitter, video games. We've This has been a topic that came up before where Elon talked about wanting to bring uh, what kind, he said, what kind of games would you like to see on the, on the center touchscreens of the cars? I did a segment on that. You guys replied. I heard, we heard some cool ideas from a, from a lot of you. Well, Elon has actually made a deal with Atari. He says, quote, some of the best classic Atari games are coming as Easter eggs in Tesla version 9.0 release in about four weeks. Thanks, Atari. And then he followed up saying that Tempest, Missile Command, and Pole Position will be in in this initial release. With that latter game, by the way, using the car's actual steering wheel. Now, I know... Uh, I don't know, I don't recall the name of who it was, but someone had called in suggesting exactly that on this podcast. So Elon and the team either hearing you or thinking right along with you, uh, which this naturally, I mean, this is, this is the ultimate merging of my two worlds, my Tesla world and my video game world. So obviously I thought a lot about this. So I went back and looked and I thought, well, what are some other examples of, of, classic Atari games that could be great on the touchscreen of any Tesla. Because you got to remember, we have to factor in portrait and landscape orientations for for these cars. So Pong could be great on, on any of them. Just, you know, touch, you could do two-player and just, you know, use your finger to drag your uh, your paddle up and down to, to hit the ball. You could do Pac-Man, except... Bandai Namco owns that now, so I don't think we're going to see that. Uh, Atari does does not have rights to it. Pitfall, of course, Pitfall's classic. That could totally work. And I thought maybe Frogger. Frogger could be a good one. It's a game about cars, in a sense. A frog trying to cross a road, a busy, a busy traffic road. Although, I believe Konami owns that one. They originally developed it, so... I don't think that would quite fall under the legal jurisdiction that Elon seems to have attained here from Atari. But uh, Elon did also add on. He replied uh, further in a thread saying, if you're into video game development, consider applying at Tesla. We want to make super fun games that integrate the center touchscreen, phone, and car in real life. Uh, And then he added, please send examples of prior work when applying. Looking for max playability, maximum playability, and creativity. So Tesla seemingly wanting to develop its own games for the car as well, which I think is amazing. And I have to imagine I've got a number of soft of game developers out there, uh, aspiring game developers, software developers, who might actually want to take Elon up on his offer. So take a look at the Tesla careers page. I don't 
I, I didn't uh, see if there are any if there are any job listings for this right now. I'm actually going to take a quick look and just see if there's anything in here. I, I'm because that's the thing. I don't know how you would apply if he hasn't posted. Uh, let's see. I guess it would be under well engineering maybe. I'm not sure. Anyway, I'll have to look later and report back next week. But there you go. Uh, and a follow-up, actually, this one more note to this thread. Friend of the show from Model 3 Owners Club, Trevor Page, saying, Hey, Elon, any chance we can get a leaderboard for the games? Any update on the Supercharger trophy suggestion from a while back, which it had been suggested that you get a trophy for visiting various Superchargers uh, and could eventually, you know, if you're familiar with the PlayStation ecosystem, maybe get a platinum trophy for visiting all of them in, in maybe one state or one region or the entire your entire country, depending on what country you're living in, who knows. But Elon replied back to Trevor saying, good idea, and thanks for the Supercharger trophy reminder. Really want to make the car as fun as possible. Well, that's all awesome. I love it. I can't wait to see what Tesla cooks up. And I'll tell you, I'm curious to see what else we're going to get in 9.0, which Elon noted would be in about four weeks, which puts us at the end of August, beginning of September. Now, Elon has most famously said that the first self-driving features would start to show up in 9.0, but remember, it might not necessarily be 9.0, it could just be that, it could be the 9, it could be 9.1, 9.4, etc. But, you know, temper your expectations a little. We are going to hear a little bit more about this in the earnings call coming up in just a few minutes here on the show. Next up, look for a proper camper mode coming soon to Tesla's. Elon saying, we're adding a party and camper mode soon to S3 and X, so your car can maintain uh, airflow, temperature, selective lights, music, and power devices for 48 hours or more while parked. Big batteries rock. Well, hey, there ain't no party like a Tesla party, right? Uh, but seriously, this, yeah, I mean, it's a logical, fun thing to do. Why not put those good, uh, those huge batteries to use, as Elon says? I'm glad to hear that this is on their software feature roadmap. I remember back, I know I've mentioned this before, I still need to try and get this up on YouTube. And that's, uh, I told you semi-recently, I think, that I was at the Model S beta event, where they did a, it was basically sort of a an open house for, the Tesla factory, which they had just acquired and been building out, and they had the the first test rides for the Model S, and I I was there and I filmed that. I uh, filmed Elon's presentation with a with a Model S on stage. There, we were all just kind of actually gathered. It wasn't even a stage. We were all just gathered around him and the car. And at one point in there, he said, "I just this this quote reminded me about this party in camper mode. It reminded me uh, that he said at that event." Uh, that, oh, you know, the, this this car battery could power your laptop for a year. And I think this that's exactly the kind of thinking that we're, we're, that's being implemented here, where it's this giant battery, it can do all kinds of cool stuff. Why not let people, you know, have a, have a camper mode, have a party mode? So that is super cool. Speaking of camping, by the way, Electrek snagging photos via Jeffrey Jessup of Nevada, passing along credit where credit's due on that of a P3D towing stuff. Now, the, the Model 3 is not officially able to tow things. There's no tow hitch. There's no support for that. Now, according to multiple eyewitness reports per Electrek, 
this car does have manufacturer plates, so this is Tesla testing something. The Model 3, of course, is not the only Tesla to not officially support towing. In fact, the X is the only car. The Roadster certainly doesn't. The 3 does not, and the S doesn't either. Only the X formally supports it. So is it possible that a towing a variant or a towing mode is going to be added to perhaps the all-wheel drive variants of Model 3? I say perhaps, but um, I don't really believe myself when I say that, simply because if the S doesn't do it, there's just no, seemingly no way that the Model 3 is also going to, to get that uh, before the Model S does. They'd have to add it to both cars, I would think. Now, one Reddit commenter, who I want to credit here, made what I think could be very, well, I think, I think is a very, very smart observation. So the user is MRMPLS, whatever, I'm not quite sure what that stands for, but that user says, speculation, this is actually a test for the Model Y. If the Y has similar weight, battery, and chassis, then performing towing tests with the Model 3 could help inform the Model Y's design decisions. For example, could it use the same brakes as Model 3, etc.? Uh, and that is, I think, a very wise bit of speculation on that, on that poster's part. That, there is a, that is a distinct possibility. Remember, too, that this was cited in Nevada, and where the drivetrains built for Model 3 and, uh, what, and seemingly Model Y, if they're going to use the same drivetrain, the Gigafactory in Nevada, not in Fremont. So they may very well be doing some testing for Model Y applications. Stay tuned on this one. Uh, next up this week, a number of you, a, a whole bunch of you sent me emails, tweets, like give me the heads up on this, which I appreciate. And this was, boy, was this really good news for me and for, for a lot of you as well. My car got better again in a really great way this week, and I'm not even talking about a software update. Model 3 performance versions now get free unlimited lifetime supercharging if you use a referral code, and anybody has a referral code, so, you know, if somebody, you can refer, you you've, can still refer SNX, but now you can also get a referral credit for referring somebody that buys a performance Model 3. And yes, this is being retroactively applied to those of us who've either already ordered or taken delivery. It's for orders on or before August 1st. And to clarify, because I saw some confusion about this on Twitter, an order means you've put down what amounts to $3,500. You had your $1,000 reservation um, and then your $2,500 non-refundable confirmation deposit. So that is an order. The $1,000 reservation is not an order. It's just a reservation. It's that $2,500 that makes it an order. Uh, but again, from so I get it retroactively because I'd already taken delivery of the car. There's no way to go back and do a code. But from now on, August 1st, uh, which was you know earlier this week, from now on, you will need to use a code. So if you are interested in ordering a Performance Model 3, please feel free to use mine. I'll give you mine. Uh, now, I finally have one after, all, after three years of doing this podcast. Uh, my code is 
Ryan73014. So if you're buying an SX or Performance Model 3, you can use that to get free unlimited lifetime supercharging on, on, uh, on again, on an S, on your, on your SX or Performance Model 3. Tesla noting here, and this is, by the way, this is an extension of the current referral program. Uh, I had been under the impression I'd, I'd heard, I'd heard that the referral program was ending forever as of the end of July. It did not. It has gotten a six week extension. So here's, here's the note on that. Tesla saying, quote, after September 16th, 2018, full unlimited supercharging will go away and owners will be able to give friends one year of unlimited supercharging. So the, the perk will decrease. So you've got, uh, yeah, in the next six weeks, basically, if you're thinking about a, an SX or performance model three, uh, looks like you've got about six weeks left to use a code and get the unlimited lifetime supercharging after which you can still, uh, get, get a perk, but it'll just be one year of the unlimited supercharging. Uh, so there you go. I, I have to say, I continue to be astounded. And I mean that I'm actually, I'm not, no hyperbole there, astounded at how this company has been so awesome. I know I said this before. I want to say it one more time though, now that another thing has been added on this pile. Since I ordered my Model 3 on May 20th, and I took it, I took delivery exactly 10 weeks later, the following things have happened since I placed an order for the car. And when I ordered it, it was a certain price with a certain features. But since I've ordered it, the car has gotten bigger and better brakes, red brake calipers, aluminum pedals. It got $6,500 cheaper. And now I'm getting free unlimited lifetime supercharging. That's just, I mean, that is simply amazing. And I, I cannot express enough joy and gratitude to the Tesla team for, for doing this. No, I, I challenge anyone to make a serious case for any other automaker doing this. I mean, I don't want to make it about a Tesla's, I'm not trying to say Tesla's better than everybody else, but just like, I, I don't, there's not another car company that I feel like would volunteer half of that stuff, let alone all of that. That is just amazing. And the, this, this experience with this car, again, I said it before, even before I got it was incredible. And now as I have it and, and moving on, I mean, this is just astounding. I was already planning on, uh, on driving the car on driving Miss Daisy over here. Sorry. You knew I was going to use that eventually. <laughs> I was planning on, uh, putting Daisy in the model three and driving down to Arizona, uh, over the holidays, this, this fall, this winter, I should say, to spend, spend the holidays with my, my parents and family in Arizona. And that was going to be a trip that was going to be cheaper than gas. Well, now that trip has become free. I mean, that's, and every other trip I'm going to take is free. So I'm, I'm almost, I'm just flabbergasted at it. I'm, I'm practically speechless. Although I guess you guys know me. I'm never, <laughs> never speechless. So, uh, man, great, great stuff there. And if you're, if you were, who knows? I mean, that's, I think the idea of this is if you were thinking, uh, do I want all wheel drive? Do I want to go performance? Maybe this helps tip you it towards performance. That's, that's what Tesla is hoping anyway. So I've got my referral code there. If you uh, choose to use it, uh, and, and get yourself some unlimited lifetime supercharging. 
One last thing before I move on to the earnings stuff. Tesla, uh, this, is, this is a totally serious story, by the way. Tesla made a surfboard. Yes, an actual surfboard. This is not a joke. It was $1,500, and it was limited to 200 Those are sold out. Go figure, it's already done. It was very nice. It was like sort of a silver top finish, uh, the T logo, black on the, on the bottom. Looked really nice, but just to, I, don't, I don't even have anything to say about it. I just wanted to mention it because it's weird. It, you can use that as uh, to stump your friends in Tesla trivia. Like, name a, name a non-automotive item that Tesla made that... <laughs> um, what is a uh, surfboard? Yes, you got it because you listen to the show. But yeah, there you go, a, a surfboard. Tesla continues, in one way or another, they manage to surprise us on almost a weekly basis. So there you go. All right, let's talk about the earnings call. Let's start with the investor letter. The letter goes over a lot of good stuff. Let me start with the challenges and successes of Q2. Here's Tesla, quote, it's fair to say that no production ramp of any other product has been as closely watched and debated as that of Model 3. We are proud of our team for producing roughly 7,000 Model 3, Model S, and Model X vehicles during the last week of June. We also want to thank all of our reservation holders who have waited patiently and who have been supportive of our mission. While we faced multiple obstacles during this ramp, our team worked hard to find solutions, and in the end, it was all worth it. A total vehicle output of 7,000 vehicles per week, or 350,000 vehicles per year, should enable Tesla to become sustainably profitable for the first time in our history, and we expect to grow our production rate further in Q3. In July 2018, Model 3 not only had the number one market share position in its segment in the U.S., it outsold all other mid-sized premium sedans combined, accounting for 52% of the segment overall. The popularity of Model 3 is a true testament to the product. Based on trade-ins that we've received so far, we can see that the total addressable market for Model 3 is much larger than mid-sized premium sedans. More on that in a little bit. We are drawing customers from many other segments, including non-premium sedans and hatchbacks. And uh, here are the production and delivery numbers, which are always interesting every month. We produced 53,339 vehicles in Q2 and delivered 22,319 Model S and Model X vehicles and 18,449 Model 3 vehicles, totaling 40,768 deliveries. So, yeah... They sat on a lot of cars at the end of the quarter so as not to trigger that 200,000th all-time U.S. vehicle delivered and, and thus trigger the tax credit phase-out. What that means, though, is that this is going to help make for a very impressive Q3 delivery number with so many cars outstanding from Q2 that will now be counted in Q3. Tesla on Q3's forecasted production, they say, quote, we expect to produce 50,000 to 55,000 Model 3 vehicles in Q3, which will represent an increase of 75% to 92% from the prior quarter. Deliveries should outpace production in Q3 as our delivery system stabilizes. They also mention the 10,000 car per week goal uh, and something that I've been expecting as a strong possibility for a little while, they appear to be pushing that back. Uh, not appear, they are. Uh, they say, quote, We aim to increase production to 10,000 Model 3s per week as fast as we can. 
We believe that the majority of Tesla's production lines will be ready to produce at this rate by the end of this year, but we will still have to increase capacity in certain places, and we will need our suppliers to meet this as well. As a result, we expect to hit this rate sometime next year. And on the topic of Gigafactory's growth, its output growth, quote, at the end of July, Gigafactory 1 battery production reached an annualized run rate of roughly 20 gigawatt hours, making it the highest volume battery plant in the world by a significant margin. Consequently, Tesla currently produces more batteries in terms of kilowatt hours than all other car makers combined. Wow. That is impressive. I mean, that that shows you the commitment to electric vehicles versus uh, the, the not quite all the way there commitment from everybody else. On the initial test drive results of Model, of Model 3, Tesla says, quote, Additionally, we recently started taking requests for Model 3 test drives in July and have already received more than 60,000 Model 3 test drive requests in the U.S. alone. Most stores in North America were just getting Model 3s for test drives in July. Early results indicate that the Model 3 test drive-to-order conversion rate is higher than for Model S, so weekly orders should grow significantly in the upcoming months. In recent weeks, orders from non-reservation holders have already become a significant portion of our total new Model 3 orders, suggesting that we have barely tapped the full potential of Model 3 demand. And finally, in their closing statement, Tesla looking ahead and looking back, saying, quote, It took 15 years to execute on our initial goal to produce an affordable, long-range electric vehicle that can also be highly profitable. In the second half of 2018, we expect, for the first time in our history, to become both sustainably profitable and cash flow positive. None of this would be possible without the incredible efforts of our employees and the support of our customers, suppliers, and investors. We thank you for your unwavering support, and we have never been more excited on what the next few years will produce, end quote. Fantastic stuff there. Uh, it gets better. So let's get to the earnings call. I want to start, as I always like to start, with Elon Musk's opening remarks, and also, as usual, it's about 10 minutes. He, uh, he chats for a little while here, so uh, sit back. This is a 10-minute Elon Musk little mini-speech. Uh, on Q2 earnings. Hi, thank you for joining. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say uh, we're incredibly proud of the Tesla team for producing 7,000 Model 3, Model S, and Model X vehicles in last week of June. That was an amazing effort. Um, it's an honor to work with, with such a great team to, to produce that incredible result. It was like mind-blowing. Uh, we continue to uh, achieve 5,000 Model 3s per week, or 7,000 combined, S, X, and 3, um, multiple weeks in July, um, showing that uh, we're able to do this on a, on a sustained basis, and we expect to, uh, in the absence of a force majeure or some very very unexpected event, um, be able to achieve an average of, uh, of uh, 5,000 uh, Model 3s or above for uh, Q3 and 2,000 Model 3, Model, Model SXs or above per week for Q3 as well. So essentially 7,000 cars a week plus uh, for on average for, for uh, Q3. Um, that's an amazing jump from, uh, from, from 
only a year ago we were producing 2,000 uh, vehicles a week. It's really kind of a mind-blowing uh, leap forward for a manufacturing company. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, just incredible work by the team to, to do that. Um, many, many late nights, weekends, extreme amounts of effort, and, and lots of smart ideas. It's amazing. Um, uh, one of the results you're seeing is that uh, the Model 3 market share has surpassed all competitor premium mid-sized sedans combined. So Model 3 market share is, is now a, a majority, or in July was a majority of all premium sedans. Um, that trend is, we think, likely to continue. Um, so it's not, it's not, we do not think it will stop there. Uh, have uh, uh, Rob Marin here, who's our worldwide head of sales, to talk about some of the uh, interesting, interesting elements that we're seeing in terms of cars that people are trading in, uh, the, the sales and demand trends. It's looking really, uh, really positive. Um, the, we're also getting uh, great feedback on all three from our customers, and we're now delivering the performance dual motor and all-wheel drive versions. Um, and uh, the multi-year reviews are, are, are outstanding. Really couldn't ask for better reviews from some of the toughest critics in the world. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, and it's just, oh, the, the thing that we're really finding is that the more Model 3s we deliver to, to the field, the, it, it's actually causing viral growth of, of our sales. So we deliver a Model 3 to somebody, they love it, they tell all their friends, they, they're actually... Uh, really, our customers are our primary sales force. They love their car and and take their friends for a drive, and and that's that, that's the thing that fundamentally drives our sales. Um, but uh, you know, not everyone has a friend who has a Model Three, obviously. So uh, we need to get cars out there for test drives. Um, uh, as it is right now, not, not even all stores in North America have uh, Model Threes for test drives. We're um, we prioritize getting cars to customers, but we're soon going to have Model 3s available for test drives in uh, all stores, and uh, both the sort of performance version and the real-world drive version. Uh, so, because yeah, a lot of people they will not buy a car until they test drive it, which is not unreasonable. Um, although on Sunday when I when I delivered a we did testing out like direct delivery, um, which I think is definitely the future. Uh, direct delivery from factory gate to customers um, home or work or, or wherever they are, uh, the, the guy who, who bought it had never actually even sat in a Model 3. I was like, wow, okay. Um, and I said, well, how, how do you feel about the car now? Do you, you have it? And driven it. I said, like, I love it. It's amazing. Um, so, um, yeah, it just seems to be really well received. Um, yeah, so uh, at a production rate of 7,000 cars a week, um, we, 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 are, we believe we can be sustainably profitable uh, from Q3, Q3 on, uh, onwards. Uh, we're going to try to raise that rate of uh, Model 3 production steadily in the coming quarters and, um, and try to get uh, to the 10,000 cars a week number as, as soon as we, we can. Um, what we found, as we've spent a lot of time uh, debugging uh, wide range of manufacturing issues that the potential for our existing lines to be able to 
produce far more cars is is much greater than expected. Um, that uh, by by simplifying production lines, um, by speeding them up, um, by in some cases uh, having things being, being done manual instead of with, with automatic, and, and in other cases having be done automatic instead of manual, uh, we're even able to achieve dramatic improvements to the output of existing lines, which means that our capex uh, going from 5,000 cars a week to 10,000 cars a week is a, is a tiny fraction. The, the, the capex going from 5 to 10 is a tiny fraction of the capex needed to go from 0 to 5,000 Model 3s. Um, this is, I think, very good news for capital efficiency of the company. Um, and with much tremendous amount, that's going to inform uh, future mass market uh, vehicles that we produce. Um, so, the, the, and, and from an operating plan standpoint, from, from Q3 onwards, I really want to emphasize uh, our goal is to uh, be profitable for, and cash flow positive for every quarter uh, going forward. Um, now, obviously, if there's a big recession or there's a severe force majeure event that uh, entrusts our supply chain, that's not always possible. Uh, but um, we're, we're confident that in uh, provided the economy is you know, roughly where it is today or reasonably good um, and there's not a big portion of your event that we, I, I feel comfortable um, uh, achieving a uh, gap income positive and cash flow positive quarter every quarter from here on out. Um, that's, uh, um, I, I should say there may be occasional quarters where we pay back a big loan or something where there may be uh, you know, just because we paid back a big loan, um, but uh, you know, absent that, it would be cash flow positive. Um, so, um, once again, I'd like to thank uh, the Tesla team for the incredible work and our customers uh, for their support. Um, without the, the great people we have at Tesla and the customers who put their faith in us by buying our product, uh, we would not be here today. And, um, yeah, I've really never been more excited about the future of Tesla. We've got a super exciting uh, set of products to bring out in the future. And, uh, yeah, um, it's like, yeah, I mean, if, sorry, and sorry if I sound a little tired. I've been <laughs> working like crazy in the body shop lately. Um, but uh, it, it's really going great. I'm super excited. It's like, damn. Some good people, um, and good uh, um, a number of uh, the executive team here, um, in particular, asked the three key leaders of the Tesla Water Pilot team to be here. So maybe I think to, to we go from from here to um, see if uh, Water Pilot uh, leaders of Tesla could um, introduce themselves um, and uh, say a bit about what you're working on, what you're excited about in the future. Uh, sorry to put you guys in the spot and everything. But, <laughs> um, um, but I think we're, we're making pretty radical advances in the core uh, software technology um, and the, um, the vision of neural net. Um, and then, uh, very importantly, uh, with um, the Tesla uh, self-driving chip technology that uh, We've been working on it for three years. It's finally coming to fruition. Uh, Pete Bannon is going to talk a lot about that. 
uh, but it, it's, um, it's a plug-in replacement for the existing uh, computer um, and enables an order of magnitude improvement in, uh, in uh, operations per second or frames per second is the way to think about it. Um, and uh, we think this is a, really the key to uh, Tesla full vehicle autonomy. Um, and like I said, we're signed to be a really easy to replace. Uh, I'll let uh, Pete talk about, uh, talk about that. Uh, so we start with like, um, we start under MMP. So there's a lot to chew on there. First, how about that production? They sustain 7,000 total cars per week for, quote, multiple weeks in July. So uh, we have to assume that that means two weeks as opposed to three. They'd have said if it was four, uh, so figure two. But still, that's great. And guess what? It's likely that they'll do that for four weeks in August and September and onward. And remember, too, that their stated plan is to try and get to 6,000 Model 3s per week by the end of this month, because it's August already. But if they can simply sustain that 7,000 per week total, uh, minus a couple thousand from not being at 5,000 for presumably that first one or two weeks of the quarter in July, uh, you know they're gonna they're gonna have a really nice quarter as we heard in the in the investor letter earlier. The other big thing to take out of that, and I'm guessing by the way that this jumped out for you just as it jumped out for me, is that new autopilot APU, the autopilot 3.0 processor. I mean, remember back when Tesla hired that guy from uh, AMD? I think it was Seller Jim. Jim. Yeah, should have written it down. Anyway, uh, he has since moved on, but probably because the the design work that that chip was probably taped out, uh, and and or you know at least sketched out in some capacity. So this is now happening. I mean, this this in house custom bit of silicon, uh, and I'll tell you if if you're one of the folks who prepaid your full self driving the three thousand uh, dollars when you ordered your car. You are going to get this processor. I don't know if they'll give it to you right when it comes out, but you're you're going to be entitled to one from paying for it. Now, will the rest of us the, who who uh, just did enhanced autopilot? I'm not sure. That remains to be seen. But I would think for sure those of you who who did the full self driving option are going to get this for free. Uh, Elon saying that it's. That processor is an order of magnitude of an improvement. That is super awesome. In fact, let's hear more about that. Here's Elon bringing on three leads from the autopilot team, Stuart Bowers, Andre Carpathy, and Pete Bannon. Let's hear from them. Uh, hi, I'm Stuart. Uh, you're going to talk loud, by the way. Oh, yeah, they'll talk extra loud. So I'm Stuart. Uh, yeah, joined the team relatively recently, incredibly excited, and of the see the foundation the team has built up until this point um, and be building on top of that right now. So right now, a lot of the focus is on Autopilot V9, which is our sort of on-ramp to off-ramp solution that's going to automatically attempt to change lanes, understand what lane the car is in, understand the route the user wants to travel and take that route for the user and ultimately hand back control to that user, which is kind of safe and controlled. Integrate navigation. So you like to yeah. navigate from one place. You say like, oh, uh, you just, by, by the way, a little, little tip uh, for if, if you're um, driving, um, Model S or X or three is if you just tap and hold, uh, tap and the navigate button and just drag down, it will automatically navigate you to your home or work depending upon where you are. That's a pretty cool feature. Sure. Yeah. 
so yeah, there's a lot of focus right now. We're also kind of digging in on some new safety features. I think probably the thing that's just most exciting for me coming into the team is just seeing the foundations been built out over the last two years. I think Andre will talk a lot about some of the perception and vision work we've done there, including Data Engine. Um, that has sort of allowed us to build on top of that very, very quickly. And I think we're also starting to see a new set of safety features that really only make sense in this world. We have this extremely high understanding of what's happening around the vehicle. So I think when I sort of think about like, what gets me excited when I come into work, it's like one, starting to introduce real aspects of kind of like not just making the commute kind of reducing the drudgery or kind of the risk of commuting, but also really making it a little bit fun. Um, and the second is like dramatically improving safety um, in a way that you really can only do once you have this like very nuanced understanding of the world around you, the perception. Cool. Yeah. <clears throat> Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Andre Karpathy, and I'm the director of AI here at Tesla. Uh, in particular, I lead the vision team, which is responsible for turning uh, the video stream that we receive from all the cameras in the vehicle into an understanding of what is around us and around the vehicle. Um, I've worked with neural networks for about uh, 10 years, or my, uh, mostly as a PhD student at Stanford and as a research scientist at OpenAI. And what I'm really excited about uh, is uh, um, really building out this infrastructure for computer vision that underlies all of the neural network training. Uh, trying to get those networks to work extremely well and make that a really good foundation on top of which we build out all the features of the autopilot, like uh, the uh, features associated with the V9 release that's going to come up, and that's Stuart has mentioned. Oh, hi, this is Pete Bannon. Uh, my team yeah, is... Yeah, talk, talk loudly, yes. My team's uh, leading uh, currently the Hardware 3 uh, development. Um, the chips are up and working, and we have... Uh, Drop-in replacements for S, X, and 3 all have been uh, driven in the field. Uh, they, they support the current networks uh, running today in the car at full frame rates uh, with a lot of uh, idle cycles to spare. So I think uh, we're all really excited about what Andre and his team uh, will be able to do with this hardware in the future. I think like one little anecdotal story was I gave a talk to his team on Hardware 3 uh, last month explaining how it worked and what it was capable of. And then afterwards, one of the researchers came up to me and he was really excited. And he said, this is so exciting. Two years ago, I came to Tesla and designed the neural network accelerator that's part of Hardware 3 and helped architect the, the rest of the Hardware 3 solution that will be in the car next year. Yeah, maybe with articulating some of the details, um, the design principles that, that um, uh, ex like explain why um, the Tesla AI chip or AI computer essentially for the car um, is able to achieve an order of magnitude better processing than um, than anything else that exists. Sure. Yeah. So like two years ago when I joined Tesla, we did a, a survey of all of the solutions that were out there for running neural networks, including GPUs. We went and talked to other people that, like at ARM that were building embedded solutions for running neural networks. And and pretty much everywhere we looked, you know, if somebody had a hammer, whether it was a CPU or a GPU or whatever, they were adding something to accelerate uh, neural networks. But nobody was doing a bottoms-up uh, design from scratch, uh, which is what we elected to do. Um, we had the uh, benefit of having the insight into seeing what Tesla's neural networks looked like uh, back then and having projections of what they would look like into the future. And we were able to leverage all of that knowledge and our willingness to, to totally commit to that style of computing to uh, produce a design that's dramatically more efficient and has dramatically more performance than what you can buy today. Cool, thanks. Yeah, I mean, essentially, the, the, the key is to, to be able to run the neural net um, at a, a fundamental, uh, at a bare metal level, so that the, you actually, it's in, in the circuits, it's, it's essentially doing the calculations in the circuits itself and not in, in some sort of emulation mode, which is how a GPU or CPU would, would operate. 
So you want to do basically a, a massive amount of localized uh, matrix multiplication uh, with the with with the memory right there. So it's a, it's it's a, it's a huge number of very simple complications um, uh, with the memory needed to uh, store the results of those complications right next to uh, the circuits that are doing the matrix uh, calculations. And the net effect is is an order of magnitude improvement in the uh, frames per second. Uh, our current hardware, which I'm a big fan of NVIDIA, they can do great stuff, but uh, using a GPU, fundamentally, it's an emulation mode. So, and then you also get choked on the on the bus. So, uh, the transfer between the, the GPU and the CPU ends up being one of the constraints of the system. Um, so, the the net effect is we're able to, with, with the Tesla uh, uh, computer, um, and we've been like in like semi stealth mode basically for the last uh, two to three years on this. But I think it's probably time to let the cat out of the bag because that uh, cat's kind of coming out of the bag, bag anyway. Um, so. Um, but, but it's it's an incredible job by by Pete uh, and his team uh, to create this uh, um, the world's most advanced uh, inference computer uh, for uh, designed specifically for autonomous uh, operation. Um, and um, there's a rough sort of figure of matter. Whereas the current NVIDIA-based hardware can do 200 frames a second, this is able to do over 2,000 frames a second. Um, and with with uh, full redundancy and failover, so it's uh, it's it's an amazing amazing design, and we're going to be looking to, to um, increase the, the 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 size of our chip team and our and our investment in that uh, as, uh, as, as as you know as quickly as possible. I think we've got some of the best aces in the world, but I think we want to build on that even more. Um, and, uh, and 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 it's. It, it, it costs the same as our current hardware, and we, we anticipate that this, there would have to be this, replace, which, this replacement, which is why we made it easy to switch out the computer. And that's all that needs to be done. If we take out one computer and plug in the next, um, that's it. All, all, all the connectors are compatible, and you get an order of magnitude more processing, and you can run all the cameras at full, full frame rate, full resolution, uh, with a complex neural net. So it's super kick-ass. Thank you for doing that. You're welcome. Um, thanks for making the nets and thanks for making the software. Um, anyway, like basically, I wanted to introduce uh, th three of the, the key people at, at Tesla that are doing this. Um, I have huge respect and admiration for you guys, and um, and and it's uh, uh, because because of what you and your team is doing that Tesla will be successful in this arena. Thank you. I like that tip. I did not know that. Tap the nav button and then drag down to auto route to home or work, depending where you are it'll it'll figure where you where you want to go so th that's super cool thank you elon for that great tip but the heart of what you just heard there is of course the autopilot stuff the big question remains will autopilot 2 and 2.5 remember that all model 3s have the 2.5 and uh, recent model s's and x's have 2.5 will all of those the 2s and the 2.5s be good enough for full self-driving, as Elon had repeatedly said in the past, or is 3.0 going to be required? Uh, it it sounds like 3.0 is going to be required. You know, I mean, things change. This full self-driving level four is a very complicated problem. So I'm personally not going to be mad if it turns out that two two or two five isn't good enough because really. 
to the customer, to, to us, you either prepaid your $3,000 and you're going to get whatever hardware upgrade you need, or you knew, like me, that you were going to have to pay more later when that time comes. Uh, and so paying that up, paying that later will get the hardware that you need. So like I said, you'll get what's needed regardless. It's just a question of whether it's something you already have in the car or uh, whether you're going to need that hardware upgrade. So uh, that's that's going to be a big question going forward. But I, I think it seems reasonable to presume for now that that 3.0 processor is going to be necessary for full self-driving at some point down the way. All right, uh, next up we get into part of the theme of this call. Uh, you'll remember that the last call was full of, shall we say, fireworks. Uh, Elon, you know, that was him. He was saying, uh, bone, talking about boneheaded questions and let's go to YouTube. And, uh, it was, he was not, uh, treated well by investors after that. And, and, you know, as I said at the time, rightly so. So here's how Elon starts with a, with one of the, the investor questions. And then we'll talk about what's also, what's actually discussed in this as well. First of all, um, yeah, I'd like to apologize for, um, you know, uh, being implied on the prior call. Uh, honestly, I think there's really no excuse for bad manners, and I was kind of violating my own rule in that regard. Um, you know, that certainly have some, I have some excuse, uh, you know, there are reasons for it, and that I've gotten no sleep, and, um, it, you know, I've been working sort of 110 hour, 120 hour weeks, but nonetheless, there's still no excuse. My, uh, my apologies for, for not uh, being flight on the prior call. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, and let's see. With respect to uh, gross margin, I'll I'll touch on that and then and then hand the rest to, to Deepak. But um, yeah, certainly when when uh, when spooling up the production line, there are a tremendous amount of inefficiencies. Um, there's uh, a lot of uh, hurry up and wait where some parts of the production line move well, then uh, then one part doesn't, um, and uh, and you have associates waiting around with nothing to do. Uh, there, there are parts that we, we thought were right, but then it turns out we've got to, um, they, they weren't right, we're going to send them back to the supplier. Um, it, it's, uh, it's, it's just like the whole sort of giant machine kind of it just needs to kind of lurch into uh, a high pace, and there's a lot of lurching, um, which is very inefficient. Um, so you end up having super high uh, labor costs per car, um, and uh, uh, it, it just needs to take time to sort of spool up this giant machine. It's just like a, basically the production system is like a giant cybernetic collector, um, and it's and uh, and then it moves as fast as the slowest part. Um, so as we address those those slow parts and as we improve efficiency, then gap uh, you know go gross margin, and so the profitability of car per car just dramatically. Um, that, that's sort of at a high level. Uh, do you want to add to that? Well, you, Elon, you described it um, extremely well. Uh, so just to sort of summarize, um, this was a major milestone for us in uh, Q2 that the gross margin of Model 3 turned slightly positive. Uh, and we feel really good about uh, the path ahead. Uh, and, uh, and as Elon said, it's driven predominantly by manufacturing cost efficiencies. Um, it's... Uh, you know, the labor hours that we use to produce each car becomes less. The initial ramp-up costs that we have that are one-time 
uh, those inefficiencies disappear. Our fixed costs that are there, that, get le- that gets leveraged to a higher volume. Um, so uh, all of that. Actually, a thing that can also happen is that if it, if it turns out that, say, the, um, a production part um, was either designed wrong or built wrong or there's something wrong with it, then on a camera on an emergency basis, we have to go with low-volume tooling, which can be produced quickly. But uh, the, a, a, a part produced off of low-volume tooling can easily be 10 times more than a part produced uh, off yeah. of... Uh, Production tooling, um, and so this one you could have. Sometimes it's what even it gets really not. If you've got to machine something out of out of a block, um, and and see that that'll make a or make a car, then the the costs of of of, 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 of using low low volume, uh, you know, parts produced of low volume tooling can be really nutty. Yeah, and that journey just continues um, as we stabilize and go, grow production from these levels. We achieve even more efficiencies. And Q3 also benefits with somewhat improved mix as we're going to sell more all-wheel drive and performance cars. Um, uh, and in the long run, as we continue to achieve those efficiencies on cost, our gross margins will continue to increase. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if this trend will continue. Um, you know, we're trying to give you all, essentially all the information that at least we know of, but we're seeing roughly half of all customers choose the dual motor or all-wheel drive option, yep. which is actually quite a good positive surprise. Yeah, it's been heartening to see the mix uh, in terms of what customers want. Robin can probably add more to that. Yeah, so um, so starting from end of June, when we opened, when we opened the configurator um, and invited the existing reservation holders, um, we saw tremendous um, excitement and response from, from our customers. Um, as uh, Deepak just mentioned, uh, we actually see more orders uh, for the all-wheel drive dual motor car and performance cars combined than the uh, than the rear-wheel drive cars. Yeah, it, 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 we, don't, I don't, we don't want to say like this, is, this should be assumed to be a continued thing. It's just the thing we are seeing now. Yes. So, yeah. Correct. Yeah. And another um, thing I want to point out is that uh, we are actually, since we opened the configurator to the general public in, in early July, we are seeing um, an increased demand coming from people who do not currently hold a reservation. I think that's, that's something that we found uh, super exciting because these are the people who actually had no idea about Model 3, and they heard about Model 3 is available uh, to order, um, many of them requested test drives, um, and uh, since early July, we have over 60,000 test drive requests uh, in the U.S. alone. And these co- uh, people uh, come into our stores, do the test drive, um, and they become super excited, and they decide to order the car. Um, so we believe that the, um, uh, the, uh, the strong demand coming from especially the non-reservation holders is going to dramatically increase as we increase our test drive uh, population. Um, to give you an example, three weeks ago, um, we had only eight stores um, having test drive cars. To Elon's point earlier, now we have over 90 uh, stores having uh, test drive cars. Okay. Um, oh, it's, it's worth mentioning um, just some interesting little um, you know, bits of information that uh, yeah, Robin was, was telling me. Um, I'd rather just like to also come up here and Robin doing doing a great job running worldwide sales. Uh, okay. Thanks, thanks, on the show and and uh, the the awesome work done in China was like really some next level stuff. Uh, uh, you know, Robin was uh, born and raised in in Shanghai and uh, and has been um, along with the 
uh, Tom and Grace and others of our time, team in China have been sort of instrumental in uh, establishing the the tales of China factory um, and and making sure that gets done right and uh, have a great relationship with the the government and um, so it's a nice work in that regard. In that regard, I'm glad to hear Elon apologize directly and publicly for his behavior on that last earnings call. I I said on that week's show that I thought he was rude, and I'm glad he realized that. I mean, it, it, it rubbed me the wrong way, and I'm on Elon's side uh, most of the time. But kudos to the analyst in question there as well, who acted professionally and continued to do his job, even though he probably was and may still not be Elon's biggest fan. But uh, as to the rest of the comments there, though, I'd like to note how much that I love learning on these calls. I learned a lot. This is all stuff that I knew nothing about before I started following Tesla. It's been, for me, really fun to get some insight into the world of automotive manufacturing. But even more interestingly, Elon notes that half, or slightly more than half, of all customers are choosing the all-wheel drive variants of Model 3. Though he does, I think, wisely note that uh, this is a trend that, that might not continue, which probably because you've got a bunch of people like me, and I know a lot of you out there, who were specifically waiting for dual motor to open up in the configurator uh, before you placed your order. And, uh, and by the way, that other executive that they call on, that's Robin Wren, the new head of worldwide sales, formerly the vice president of Asia Pacific at Tesla. And that 60,000 test drive request number, by the way, that's just in the last month. That is impressive. And, and the fact that they still only have test drives at 90 of the stores means there are a lot more people out there to try and get behind the wheel of the Model 3, which will in turn, of course, convert into more sales. So a lot of room to grow here. Now, the people that are buying Model 3s what are they trading in? Uh, Tesla talking about this. This is Robin Wren speaking about the top five cars that are being traded in for Model Three. Check this out. Uh, but uh, it's 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 really. I think one. I think some of the things people expect. Like, what what are the top five trade-in cars for Model Three? Yeah, this is very interesting. Um, so we we looked at uh, what people um, who are buying uh, Model Three cars in the United States. Um, what cars they are trading in. Um, what we found um, is um, through this year, uh, from January to July, the top five non-Tesla cars people are trading in to get into a Model 3, um, they are Toyota Prius, BMW 3 Series, Honda Accord, Honda Civic, and Nissan Leaf. Um, they're really surprising yeah, they are yeah. surprising because they are not the traditional um, premium uh, sedans. Uh, they are actually many of them are the uh, mainstream midsize sedans. Right, and and we're obviously at this point not not yet selling a thirty five thousand dollar car, so this is promising for the future. What's interesting to me about what Robin said there is that I think that over time, that could actually reverse. Right now, you are getting people like me the aspirational buyers, people coming up from so-called lower-class cars. But people like me with cars uh, like that have been 
we've been eagerly following Tesla and rooting for them and, and waiting to get into our Model 3s. I think over time, as the world, uh, as word spreads, pardon me, we might see that flip upside down. So more BMW, more Audi, more Mercedes owners will trade in their cars for Teslas as word gets to them from, as Elon mentioned earlier in the call, a neighbor getting a Tesla, giving them a ride. We saw it happen with the Model S. That exact thing happened. You had a lot of aspirational buyers early on. My cousin Pat's one of them. My cousin Pat's never owned a car like a Model S in his whole life, and he adores it now. Uh, as soon as he got it, he adored it. Actually, he adored it before he got it. But anyway, point being, uh, over time, as those Model S's got into neighborhoods, you know, the 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 uh, S-Class uh, 5 and 7 Series BMW and uh, who am I leaving out? The, you know, uh, 7, 5 and 7, uh, who am I leaving out? Oh, Audi, the, the A, A6, A8 folks. You know, they all started to switch over and, and trade in and get uh, Model S. You know, I, I look around San Francisco anecdotally, I think I've said this on the podcast in the past, but the Porsche Panamera, I, I'm not knocking the car, um, but it is, I don't see those anymore. Like I, I, not literally, but it's the, I rarely see them. It's, it's, uh, I see 20 Model S's a day practically. And so I've, you know, the Panamera got its lunch eaten by, uh, by the S, and I think you're going to start to see that as you know these the aspirational folks like me who've been waiting and take delivery. But as word spreads, you'll get the the more uh, upscale cars, the BMWs, the Audis, the Mercedes to uh, to trade in for Model Three as well. Next up, we have another mea culpa from Elon to one of the uh, the analysts on the call. And then the topic at hand is the Shanghai Gigafactory, the, the incoming Gigafactory in China. I, I uh, would also like to apologize for um, being a flight on the last call with you. That was, it was not right. And I hope you accept my apologies. Thanks. Um, so with respect to... Uh, Gigafactory or CapEx, I think we've learned a tremendous amount uh, with Gigafactory 1, and uh, we're confident that we can do the Gigafactory in China for a lot less. Um, I think it's probably closer to, this is just a guess, but probably closer to $2 billion. Um, and, and, and this will be at a higher, and that would be sort of at the 250,000 uh, vehicle per year rate. Um, and uh, so I think we can be a lot more efficient with CapEx. Um, and, that, and that would include at, at least a battery module and, and pack production. Um, uh, you know, a, a, a body shop, paint shop, and general assembly. Um, might even be less than that, but that's um, that's that's about the right number for for that. And then cell production is something we need to still figure out with respect to the Shanghai factory. Uh, JV, would you like to add to that? Yeah. I 
Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with all that. We found a um, surprising number of ways to improve efficiency and speed um, and density as well at Gigafactory 1, and all those lessons uh, will absolutely be shared with Gigafactory 3. You know, the teams are already, of course, you know, beginning to, to collaborate and you know, start to figure out ways to, uh, to do this more efficiently and you know, with less capex than last time. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think we could, like less than half. Is, is, is like would be a, a good estimate, and maybe a lot less than half, but not more than half would be a fair estimate for for capex to get to that 250k level. Um, so it's just um, we just learned a tremendous amount about manufacturing. It's like it's definitely burned out a lot of neurons. <laughs> yeah, uh, mental scar tissue, it's like next level. Uh, but on the plus side, we really know a lot about manufacturing at this point I mean there, there are there's so many specific examples but but even you know in just recent weeks and months you know we've found some you know certain areas of production that have been very capital intensive that uh, we've been able to speed up with almost no additional capex by maybe 20 even 25 or 30 yeah, percent um, just by including on the including cell production yeah just by <laughs> challenging um, some of the initial assumptions the specifications you know tweaking the controls yeah. and software um, but yeah look what really matters what actually doesn't matter um, you know things you think matter and yep. some, some of it actually ends up not being less, not, not mattering at all um, and that's with basically zero capex so as you start to add yeah, very tactical exactly. strategic capex to the existing lines you know that's how we can get to something you know close to double um, or beyond with, with a really, really small increment. And a second apology. Again, I applaud this. Glad to see uh, Elon do that. Hopefully everybody can move on professionally, and Elon has learned to, uh, to be a little more respectful on the calls here with folks that are just trying to do their jobs. But this answer from Elon and JB is a really good example to me of how Tesla has completely refocused their financial priorities. They want to be now as financially efficient as they are manufacturing efficient. So they're, they're trying just efficiency is like the name of the game at Tesla now. I mean, clearly Elon, as he has straight up said, does not want to have to raise capital again. Uh, I don't know if that's out of pride or because he doesn't want to dilute the company, the, the shares. But whatever the case, I think it's a good goal. I think it's a healthy goal. And I think what it's going to do is it'll help keep him and the company laser focused. So, I, And I think that's a great thing, too. So next up, here is Elon talking about GA4, General Assembly 4, a.k.a. the tent. Obviously, one of the key, keys to um, success on the Model 3 uh, production was the uh, GA4 uh, thing which uh, was led, led by Jerome. Um, uh, Jerome also was key in uh, uh, doing the sort of zone one and two uh, semi auto lines, which were critical because we had just fundamental failure, in, in, uh, especially in zone one, uh, zone two of uh, battery module production. Uh, thank you, Jerome. Was, that was a well, that was like, turns out, turns out pulling some pretty incredible routes out of the hat. That was, that was amazing. Thank you. Um, yeah, people make about fun about tent, but by the way, our tent is amazing. <laughs> um, and and this, this is not like people who like say tent, people think it's like some, some sort of, you know, it's like telling you buy an REI or something like that, you know, if they go camping. This is, a, this is a tent that is actually um, commonly used as a permanent structure. That uh, is a giant thing that is very commonly used as a permanent structure. 
Um, and um, the uh, and we just had to come up with a creative solution uh, because GA3 was not going to be able to make the weight, um, and uh, and so we had to come up with some ideas and perhaps you could provide. Can you tell me what how, how that all transpired? Like it's like it's interesting, you know, to learn. Yeah, we. Uh, thank you. We. Uh, it was a fun project, actually. Yeah. So not only it was, uh, uh, it's producing good results, but it was uh, a lot of uh, people contributed from different engineering groups and uh, had a lot of fun in the process. Uh, we set out. We had some of the some people on the legal team building cards. <laughs> 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 they, uh, That's cool. Uh, it's great. It's, it's like it really. There's actually there's something like viscerally satisfying about building a car. Mm. We just uh, wanted to um, create an assembly line that would be um, very easy and very straightforward. So it, it's a straight line, yeah. uh, very simple. Car enters at one point and is finished at the other end. Um, very simple access on all sides. Uh, very simple tooling that we reused for most of, um, actually nearly all of it uh, is uh, systems and um, tools that we discarded from previous SNX or from Model 3. Especially Model 3. I mean, like the point is we had two weeks to, to, to solve this problem, which is like quasi impossible. Yeah. Um, so we, we actually didn't have time to order new equipment because it would have taken too long to arrive. So we, we, we took the conveyors that, that we'd uh, discarded from the GA3 line, which didn't work. Um, or, or it was way too complex to actually deliver parts. And we uh, simplified, repurposed yeah. them, make them sturdy for what was needed, and well, I thought like a really cool idea was the, the putting them on the one percent grade. Yeah. So the, the, it's like technically the the, the conveyors uh, for parts delivery to GA3 uh, uh, were not graded to to be able to uh, move something as heavy as a car. Um, so uh, we, 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 um, we, we made it downhill and uh, on a one percent down downward grade for the car at the top. So then, it, it, the it, you can actually overcome the uh, trans gravity helps. Yeah, gravity. So if you basically, yeah. uh, with Newton on your side, you can do, accomplish a lot. Yeah, just pushing the car. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, and um, and and something that I'm particularly happy about is that we installed the quality team uh, at the end of the line, and we wanted to have at least as high standards on this new line as on the other one. Because it is so simple and straightforward, they can run very quickly to any point in the line if there is any potential concern and uh, address very quickly. There is no maze to move around or identify where something happened. And uh, the quality of the cars that come out of this structure is at least as good. And we make all the performance cars uh, on this uh, particular line, and uh, they seem to be doing quite well. So this is... Um, a very pleasant surprise, and the associate seems to be very happy and engaged in that particular area. So this may be a model of how we may, may want to start uh, general assembly uh, for future uh, vehicles. At least start, and we can always um, add further automation and, and complexity. Um, and, and something that's like somewhat so counterintuitive is that this this actually has a fully con fully considered. Um, uh, fewer labor hours per car than the the GA3 system, um, and um, just to elaborate on what Joe was saying, um, when we have parts delivery to GA4, uh, the the truck literally just uh, backs up to the side of the line, uh, was with there's like a door in the in the tent, um, and 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 then that is used to unload part parts from suppliers 
directly to where they're needed on the line. So there's, there's no intermediate uh, system. Whereas for GA3, they're, they're unloaded, they're put in a warehouse, then they're repackaged from the warehouse into these totes, uh, which, um, uh, so, so we, we actually have we 220 people, something like that, across all shifts, whose only job it was was to repackage parts from the boxes of carrying suppliers to the boxes that, to, to, to these totes that go into the lifters that, that go up into uh, GA3. Um, that's literally all they do is move things from one box to another box, and we don't need that at all on, on GA4. All gone. All gone, yeah. Um, and the, there's a tremendous amount of um, sort of 24-7 robotics um, uh, te- technicians that are constantly trying to make the machines uh, have uptime. That, that's very expensive. Um, and, uh, and, and so when you think about like, not having to maintain all these robotic systems, that, that's a big cost savings as well. Um, and um, now we're going to gradually be adding um, simple automation into GA4 to make it easier to, to build a car um, and that are sort of labor-saving devices. But it's, it's, it's just fundamental. It, it, it's already at an efficiency level greater than GA3, which is pretty impressive. Oh, it's interesting. I had been told that all of the P3Ds were being made on GA4, but it's nice to hear Tesla say that publicly. So... There you go. If you order a P3D, it's being made by a team who is doing nothing but building P3Ds over on GA4. It's kind of an interesting little manufacturing inside Tesla nugget there. Uh, Okay, the coast-to-coast autopilot drive. We haven't heard about that in a little while. It's been pushed back repeatedly. Well, Elon Musk, what do you have to say about it? Is it happening anytime soon? Uh, We can do a coast-to-coast drive Especially if we, like, if if we pick a specific route, um, and then write code to really make that route work, we could do a coast to coast route drive. But that would be kind of gaming the system. Um, And I think it's really important for the autopilot team to be focused on fundamental safety of the existing features. So that's the focus is really um, massively on safety of existing features. then there's a dev, you know, to, uh, an advanced dev build that can do things like recognize traffic lights and stop signs and uh, yeah, you know, um, make hard right turns and that kind of thing. Um, but it's it's not at the safety level that concerns um, okay for uh, release. Um, so, but, but uh, you know, because really you want many nines of reliability for anything that's released to. to um, uh, and customers, so I don't want to take the team off that until we feel like we've really done everything plus we can for the core functionality. Um, Stuart, do you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing I'd say is that with Elon, uh, to reiterate Elon's point, like, there's no question you can kind of build a demo around this stuff. The challenge right now for the team is just increasing the safety and utility of autopilot to over a quarter million cars we have today and, and pushing more out after that. So I think when we look kind of forward to what the next six to 12 months look like, it's taking those same kind of features we've been working on, probably deploying them in the form of active safety features. Like that's like a thing we can do already is to understand like use this rich understanding in the environment to actually try to keep you safer, to either beep or break. Um, and then also, of course, like one huge advantage that we have is we can understand what humans actually did in these vehicles and test our software to make sure that we would have made decisions that were similar, if not safer. Um, so that's going to be a huge part of what we do over the next probably two quarters. Yeah, I mean, th- th- that, that said, we might be able to pull off uh, Coast to coast demo for the end of the year. If, if we 
Yeah. But, but, but I, I, we're really like right now that it's a super heads down focus on the version 9 software release, which has got a number of uh, really cool things in it. And uh, we're hoping to get that out to um, the early access program uh, you know, the, in about four weeks and then broadly in September. Um, that's the hardcore focus right now. And that'll certainly include some um, significant advancements in autonomy. Uh, and then I, once, once that's out and stable, I think that could be a good time to work on the Coast to Coast Drive. Remember how I talked a few minutes ago about the name of the game at Tesla now being efficiency? Well, again, it would seem that, be it in the name of financial efficiency or maybe wanting to get autopilot over that hump that I talked about recently where Tesla's going to need to improve it quickly enough so that it gets tougher for, for people for it to be misused and thus destroy the reputation of the whole darn thing before it has a chance to really do the world any good that Tesla is not choosing to use any resources on a coast-to-coast -coast drive as something of a publicity stunt. And and I don't say publicity stunt in a demeaning way, by the way, but, but even Elon himself there says they'd have to game the system to make it happen. Nevertheless, uh, I'd still certainly like to see a coast-to-coast -coast demo. That would be pretty great. And, and you did hear Elon say near the end of that clip that there uh, might be a coast-to-coast -coast demo near the end of this year. So we'll see what happens. Next clip, let's talk about uh, autopilot and the uptake on it. Elon was asked, what's, uh, what's the uptake on it? Will, will these improvements increase customer uptake on autopilot? Yeah, I think it's extremely powerful uh, once people are uh, comfortable using the technology and see just how much utility it brings. Um, I think that is a, a very significant um, potential for margin gain in the future, uh, but it's, it's contingent on, on that functionality really making a difference. Um, I think we will really start to see some of the breakthrough stuff in you know, about a month or so. So again, Elon talking up the next big step for autopilot and what we've previously heard both at the shareholder meeting and on this call is that apparently it's going to be on-ramp to off-ramp autonomy, including getting you in the proper lanes. Uh, now, I did tweet at him uh, earlier this week to try and clarify, like, well, does that is that feature going to require full self-driving? His answer was sort of vague uh, in the sense that I'm not sure if he might have misinterpreted my question, but uh, he seemed to indicate that it will work with the enhanced autopilot suite and will not require FSD. Uh, but can't be 100% on that because his answer to my question was simply, we'll work with current hardware OTA update, which doesn't sort of delineate whether or not it requires full self-driving, but I would suspect if it did, he would have said so. Anyway, <laughs> we might still need some clarity on that. I don't know, but okay. A uh, few more. We've got uh, actually several more clips yet to go from a very productive, very busy quarterly earnings call. Uh, more on that tent. Let's hear from Jerome Guillen, uh, one of the Tesla executives who is uh, responsible for this, as well as the, he runs the Semi Project as well. So Jerome talking about, uh, he was asked, is the tent permanent? And here's what Jerome had to say. Uh, it's permanent for now. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, unless we come, until we come up with something different or better. Uh, but... Uh, 
personally, I think it's a good model to start the assembly of any product. Yeah. There's a lot of flexibility, and then we can build and iterate over it, yeah. It, it, it well, that created, like, like a necessity of mother invention, and when you have to do something quickly, uh, then it, it just you, you just don't have time to spend a lot of capital. So it forces you to be capital efficient. Yeah, it uh, taught us a lot of lessons on how to be capital efficient in the General Assembly area. And, uh, so in that sense, those lessons will carry forward, John. Yeah, but I think still, by and large, we'll be aiming for um, steel steel frame buildings. Uh, to be clear, it's not like it's yeah. it's going to just... Uh, become tents everywhere. Um, yeah. I mean, the tent itself might be a little bit of a distraction from actually the, the focus of what's happening inside. And the yeah, methodology, the inside is, exactly. And, and that's a similar methodology that we kind of, you know, reverted back to and then moved forward from in the module, where we, you know, simplified and then, you know, did a very, very linear, you know, intuitive process that was a bit more uh, manual and then have automated and scaled that up um, as we understand it and get good control of it. And uh, I think that's a lesson that we're taking to heart broadly, you know, across other things that we're going to do in the future. And it's, it's a, an efficient way to scale up. You know, I'm not sure if J.B. Straubel there was referring to the short sellers with his comment about the tent being a distraction from what's going on inside it. But that's, I have to say, that's how I took it. You know, what's going on in the tent is good. Performance Model 3 production, getting the production ramp to a sustained 5,000 cars per week. But you may have noticed that the short sellers and the fudsters, who are largely one and the same, uh, they have been trying to pitch the tent, phrasing, sorry, <laughs> as, as, uh, as somehow being a sign of how terrible and doomed Tesla is. But anyway, it seems pretty clear based on the rest of the call. Uh, at one point, Elon is straight up asked if Model Y is going to be built at Gigafactory 1, and he declines to answer that uh, that they might not need tents anymore because they're full up in Fremont and future vehicles are going to be produced in large facilities somewhere else <laughs> with plenty of indoor room in them. But speaking of Model Y, by the way, here is a quick mention of it. Uh, yeah, Model Y is a sort of all separate thing, but uh, it, it's definitely one of the elements that convinced us that we can scale up quickly and at low capex in, in Shanghai. Um, we were doing an improved version of G84, uh, and uh, and then we, we also figured out how to make the, the paint shop a lot simpler and General Assembly a lot simpler. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, after this call, I'm I'm headed back out to the the body shop. The, the body shop, yeah, the, making the body shop a lot simpler. Yeah, we can really simplify the body shop, man. Wow. Um, and uh, and there's a lot that we can. They're really easy to improve, like design for manufacturing, um, and uh, changing changing some of the joining approaches that we use, um, and uh, actually making the car lighter, cheaper, and better, and actually safer. It's really although it's ridiculously safe already, but yeah. Maybe one other point, just just to follow well, up quickly. Yeah. Um, is, you know, I, I think some people have taken this as like a walk back from automation, which is not really accurate yeah, either. Yeah, exactly. You know, this is this is basically, I mean, a more more thoughtful and focused way to to, to apply automation to the actual issues that, that matter most. Yes. And it's well, uh, well said. That's, that's very, actually it's really worth emphasizing JV's point here. Um, yeah, just, yeah, we're saying again. 
Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, a, not an overall reduction in automation. It is a focusing of our efforts um, on automating the processes and the value-add processes that matter the most. And I think we got maybe a little bit distracted on this first round, automating a lot of things that added complexity yeah. that didn't necessarily speed up. And, uh, Way too fancy. And we can like, yeah, we can save. Start, start simple, get fancy later. Don't start <laughs> fancy. <laughs> Fancy's gonna bite in the ass. Um, but, but it's not as if we're like reverting to, to you know the dark ages of all manual everything. That's not at all the case. Yeah, yeah I mean Gigafactory is uh, massively automated. Massively automated. It's it's pretty. It looks it's pretty not pretty crazy. And uh, yeah. but the the body production is also heavily automated. Most you know most entirely robots and. Um, so it's a mixture of people and automation. There's, there's so much that goes into producing a car, going from raw metal and, and uh, plastic and glass to an actual finished car. Um, and yeah, as JV was saying, uh, the vast majority of that is highly automated. That statement was full of lessons. Tesla continues to learn a lot very quickly about automotive manufacturing, particularly at scale. But it's good that they're learning these lessons because if they didn't, then they would just be stuck as a boutique luxury electric automaker forever. You know, these are difficult lessons, but ones that they've got to learn in order to get to that next level, which, as you heard in Elon's opening remarks, they are now doing. Uh, you know, the, the S leads its segment. The X is right near the top in its. And the Model 3, as we heard earlier, is killing it in its segment right now. So good stuff right there. Two more clips for you. I, I tried to cull them down a little more to only the most interesting stuff, but yet we're still like over an hour and a half episode right now. So uh, let me not waste any more time. This was an extremely good question asked near the end of the, the call here. Is the year 2020 still going to be a year where Tesla produces 1 million total cars. Here's Elon Musk speaking to that. I think so. Yeah. If it's not if it's not a million, it's going to be pretty close. I'd say if it's not a million, it's probably at least 750 or something like that um, in 2020. It, it might, we'll aim for a million in 2020, but somewhere between half a million and a million seems pretty likely. Where do you get the capacity to do that? Um, there's this place uh, called Shanghai. Okay, you, is Shang, Shanghai will be important for that. That yeah. goal. Yeah. Okay. Where does yeah, the I model lie? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think you know. Um, I think so. Uh, and uh, no, no, uh, I think we can do over half a million vehicles. Uh, well, actually, probably more like six hundred thousand vehicles uh, before with, with current Giga and Fremont, um, and so then if you throw like you know one hundred, two hundred, you know maybe more, a couple hundred K from Shanghai, um, and, uh, and so we're probably gonna do more than six hundred K with that with Fremont and, um, and 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 Giga Nevada. Uh, that's why I think maybe it's not, I think I think we have a shot at a million. But uh, some of the words, seven or seven, eight hundred K seems pretty likely given the current what we know today. Well, Elon seemed to walk back his own answer by the time his answer was over. But that's okay. As part of this push for sustained profitability, it's very important for him to try and set 
more realistic goals. 750,000 cars in a year, two years from now, would never would still be really darn impressive. And they'll I have every confidence that they will get to a million eventually. Probably not too long after that, another year or two after that if I had to if I had to guess, but yeah, so we'll look forward to that. 750k or so in uh, in 2020. That just I mean it's so crazy. When I think back to the early Model S days, how far they have come and continue to go. All right, I've got one last clip that is of interest from the earnings call, and it is about uh, Elon has asked what the current biggest bottleneck issue is, uh, and as you'll hear Elon say, he doesn't want this twisted into headlines. But if you're curious, here's what Elon has been uh, trying to address specifically with the team now. Right now, the the biggest constraint on production again. Do not please do not make people do not make a federal case out of this this because it's something <laughs> solved like in a matter of like a week or two. Um, it is like is um, body production. So that's why um, you can just generally tell like what 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 am I personally working on? If, if that that's going to be a bottleneck in the company, so uh, most likely so um, producing model three bodies. Um, we've made huge progress in the last few weeks. Um, and uh, in fact, I, just, I was just told that we were able to achieve our first 24-hour um, uh, uh, period where we made over 800 Model 3 bodies, which is pretty great. Um, sorry? Um, and uh, so that's, 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 you know, so we need to make sure, okay, how do we sustain that 800-plus uh, per, uh, per day rate? Um, and then uh, Paint's doing great. Oh, uh, GA's doing great. Thanks uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. It is funny how he specifically says he doesn't want this to be turned into a soundbite. Sorry, Elon, I am using it as a soundbite, but I'm using your full quote and I'm providing full context. But going back to what I said earlier about uh, the fact that I'm fascinated by learning more about automotive manufacturing, even just from these little peaks that I get listening to these uh, earnings calls and to other talks that Elon and the Tesla executive team members give... And scaling up on Model 3 has almost seemed like a giant game of whack-a-mole, hasn't it? They smash one problem down, but then two more pop up. Then they bop those, and another one rears its head somewhere else. Right now, it's body production. But the cool part, and the good news, is that as they whack these problems away, even though others are still there, the process still gets better overall, and that's why... They're now sustaining 5,000 Model 3s a week, aiming towards 6,000 at the end of this month. Kudos to everyone at Tesla for doing what all of the doubters said you could not do. That is the end of the earnings call. I need a quick breather. I'll come right back and wrap things up for you right after this. Phew, another earnings call episode done. As I always say, I love doing these. These are probably my favorite episodes. Uh, they do require the most work, but I feel I always feel super good about them at the end because I feel like I've there's been just a ton of information digested. It's like eating a giant meal where it's like, man, that was it took a while to cook that, but man, it felt so good to eat. So um, if you enjoy this podcast, if you get a lot out of it, 
uh, you find it informative, maybe even entertaining from time to time, and you might see fit to support it. I've got a Patreon page, totally optional, but uh, it is there if you'd like to support. The address is patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. All the information you need is over there. Of course, Immaculate Reflections, that's where my car is right now, being taken care of, getting that paint protection film. If you are interested in maybe a ceramic coating so that you don't have to wax your car for the next uh, three plus years, maybe you want to do paint protection film on your Model 3 as well, or uh, just a nice detailed clay bar wash and wax, uh, whatever it is you want to do, look them up, give them a call. You can see their work on Instagram and on Yelp at... uh, immaculate underscore reflections on those. So yelp.com slash and instagram.com slash or their regular website, irdetailing.com. And then of course, Abstract Ocean, as I mentioned every week, I hear from a lot of folks that are using that that uh, first time 20% off discount code. That's, that's very cool. I'm going to be actually taking them up on that myself after I get my car back. I want to get the puddle lights and I think maybe just the interior, the, the better LED uh, interior lighting kit as well. Those are the things I'm, I'm leaning towards. They've also got that tempered glass screen protector for Model 3 and some other cool cosmetic bits as well. Look them up, abstractocean.com. And that coupon code, if you are a first-time customer, RTL Podcast. That's all one word. RTL Podcast, that'll get you 20% off of your first order with Abstract Ocean. You can follow me on Twitter if you're interested in that. It's at DMC underscore Ryan. And again, the, the, as I've told just you guys, uh, the car pictures and car travelogue, basically, in, uh, in, in the car photos of the car and, and the adventures of the Spirit of Adventure are going to go on my Instagram. Uh, and that is the same as my Twitter, DMC underscore Ryan, if you're curious about that. Uh, you can email me anytime, teslapodcast at gmail.com. Again, it's where, that's also where you can record stuff on your phone uh, the, for Ride the Lightning Hotline and send stuff in. I encourage you to keep that coming because I will be getting back to that next week. Uh, there's also the Ride the Lightning Hotline. I gave you that info earlier as well. And then I also mentioned uh, I have a referral code now. Now that I'm so lucky to have a car, I finally got my own referral code that I can give out. So... If you are buying an S, any S, any new S, any new X, uh, or a performance Model 3, you can use my referral code and that will get you free unlimited lifetime supercharging, which I am so grateful to have just received as well. Uh, So my referral code is Ryan73014. So if you give that to a sales advisor or if you're ordering online, type in ts.la slash Ryan73014 and uh, into your browser, and that will load up the configurator with that code, with that free unlimited lifetime supercharging baked into it. I want to wrap up by thanking the Patreon producers. These are the kind folks uh, who are at the producer level of support on the Patreon. I sincerely appreciate their support, so I want to say hi to Bill Royko, Rick Sinta, Brian Hope, Ketafuki, uh, Jerry and Mary Smith, Gabriel Salais, Stefan Joris, Luke Miles, David Nondahl, Eric Randolph, David Kittle, Luke A., Ulrich Lassa, 
David Vakil, Rome Strack, Michael Callahan, Kenneth Martin, Harold Plug, Peter Chalet, Orion Coates, Lars Hoffman, Lee Sweet, Marcus Mayenshine, Tim Hyde, Richard Ouellette, Emotion Rentals, Jason Chalukas, Robert Maracle, Michael Lester, Matthew Parra, Logan Willis, Alexi Heft, Jonathan Wales, David Brander, George Cassiopo, Wolfgang Obergen, Pete White, DJ Harbaugh, and Paul Hussey. Thank you all so much. Uh, you can subscribe any way you want. And like I said, that just downloads the show to you automatically without you having to do anything iTunes, Google Play, actually there's Google Podcasts now as well, and I'm told the the Google Play music, the Google Play issue from a couple weeks ago, that's long since resolved, thankfully, but iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, tune in, in the car, confirmed, Uh, thumbnail still not showing up, the album art still not showing up, I gotta email them again, my goodness, but the podcast is there, if you just search either Tesla or uh, I believe Ride the Lightning should work as well. And then Spotify. The podcast is on Spotify as well. There's also the RSS feed at teslapodcast.libsyn.com. That'll do it for me. This has been a super long show, so I won't ramble on with any weird little end-of-show anecdotes this week. But again, thank you all so much. Other than this, thank you all so much again for your just outpouring of kind words and congratulations on the car. I'm so glad uh, pretty much all of you, I got a lot of great feedback on that special bonus episode that I did last week about my delivery day. Uh, I'm really happy to, to be able to share that with you guys in that way and just walk you through it. And, and I guess it's kind of cool because I can always look back, I can always listen back to that in the future uh, when, and, and I can sort of remember and re- reclaim what it felt like that day to get the car. So thank you all so, so much for listening. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Where's uh, Daisy sleeping in her crate? And I will see you next week.